G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are breaking down all the action from free agency, some huge trades, and also all the fantasy implications. Let's go! G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey. You can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys NBA and on Instagram at Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball. Joined, as always, by the, my good friend and host, Callum Mack. How are you, man? Um, yeah, look, it's, it's, a, it's a great day today. Um, I think it's probably going to be distinguished as the Chet Holgrim hype day of the year. Absolutely, um, Played well today in Summer League. Yeah, like uh, there's nothing better than a bit of summer league hype, you know. It's it's a it's a perfect time for us to all overreact and and you know let our let our imaginations run wild a little bit. But um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that he's going to be the best player of all time. Uh, I think is <laughs> it's, it's looking that way. I mean, continues the miss tangent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, breaking records, you know, like crossing dudes up, you know, missed one shot, you know. Yeah, he, he looks... Nah, but in all seriousness, he does look really good. I am very excited. He was my number one prospect of the draft this year, and uh, I've got no reason to doubt myself so far after seeing one game. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Where, where did you settle with him in, in terms of your, your big board and your rankings? I think, was he was he still behind, like, an Ivy for you, or was he, like... Yeah, he was. He was still my fifth prospect. I just, it's just the health. I just don't know how it's going to go. He could have an amazing first few years... And if he, I don't know, gets injured in his third or fourth, and it could just become a disaster. I don't know. Like, you never really know. They're all young. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, the ceiling is there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the the biggest thing we've obviously said with him is his defense and all that sort of stuff. And he's a shot blocker and all that's obvious. But I think that that offensive upside is um, is enormous. And we saw a glimpse of it today, like pulling up off the dribble. You know, those he was behind a bucket the back, man behind the back, fadeaway. Yeah, there was three. There was some nice stuff in there, stuff that maybe we didn't <laughs> see as much of in Gonzaga. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see him um, blossom in the NBA. And uh, I know wherever I have a number one pick in dynasty leagues, he will be my selection. Uh, I've got a couple in, in, a, in a, a couple drafts, so excited to have him join my dynasty league teams but let's talk about we've got a a number of different things a lot of exciting things happening in the nba obviously we haven't spoken much we haven't said anything since the draft Uh, and since that time free agency has come in and uh, before we get to the free agent signings there's a couple of trades and a couple of trade requests that we're going to be discussing today Um, we might start with the trade request which is essentially you know if it does amount to anything um, would reshape the NBA. It's it's obviously one of the biggest names in basketball and Kevin Durant requesting a trade um, from the Brooklyn Nets. Nothing as at time of recording has been recorded, has, has happened yet, so he's still on the Nets. Um, your first initial reaction, Callum, to hearing this news? <laughs> I know that you've, you've had, had your opinions on Kevin Durant in the past, but um, what are your thoughts on, on, firstly, KD requesting a trade and then also the potential fallout of this? Yeah, look, I've never been a KD guy, unfortunately, especially since he joined the Warriors. Yeah. I thought it was super weak. It's a 73-win team, goddammit, that made the finals <laughs> and lost in seven. Um, he can't get much closer to a title, and it was a record regular season team. So I thought that was pretty weak. Let's face it, he won a couple of titles. Um, and then he decided to go to it himself. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to root for you, Kevin Durant. Do it on yourself, even though he brought Curry with him. Fair enough, you went to a Brooklyn team that had, I guess, a reasonable kind of core, some trade assets, um, but he's just really um, kind of demolished all of that roster. Um, he got swept in the first round. Um, and and he's getting old these days too. I, I, maybe that's playing on his mind a bit. Uh, but I feel like the two teams that he listed, and he wants to go to the Phoenix Suns or your boys. Uh, Miami Heat, and that is talks about Golden State in the uh, mix as yeah. well. If he goes to Golden State, I'm going to be so mad. Uh, like He's already stolen years from this like Steph I- Curry MVP. I would I will be seriously. Very, very I, I would fall off my chair. I, I would be. I'd be shocked if he went back to Golden State. I, I really struggle to see that 
happening. Uh, not to mention their luxury tax and all these sort of things. They'd have to they'd have to give up one of their key guys to make it happen. I just don't see that happening personally. Um, but you did mention like the the two teams that he named. I've I've seen so many teams linked. I've seen New Orleans. I've seen the Celtics. By the way, don't if we have to give up Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. No, I don't want Kevin Durant. No, go go away. I want to win. Uh, with with the boys that we've got, I, I want our guys to see it through, and I think we can. So, I would personally prefer Kevin Durant to just just leave our team alone. We're, we've got a nice thing going here. Um, I've and seen it's like yeah. the Phoenix Suns are a sixty four win team. It's, yeah, it, that's a like historically good team, best regular season. Uh, there are some rumors that it got a bit COVID ridden, which was a bit of their downfall in the playoffs. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. I'm not too sure. But that's just such a once again, is this a weak move? Like, why would you go to the number one seed like that? It's weak. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't know. It's On one hand, I can understand why he wants out of Brooklyn. Obviously, there's a very different situation there. Like, it was a tumultuous season, firstly, with the James Harden thing, and then the Kyrie Irving, um, you know, part-time player vaccination thing. And then, obviously, Ben Simmons came in, and he wasn't ready to play, never played a game with his back. And it probably wasn't what he envisioned when he signed up to this whole thing. Um, so I can understand that from like a, a, you know, a personal point of view, but it's tough because obviously he's Durant, wherever he goes, he's going to add a tremendous amount of value to that team. But so I don't, I don't necessarily hate the idea of him like going to Phoenix with Booker and, and uh, Chris Paul. But I, I, I actually think uh, I'm starting to come around. I think it's more than likely because we haven't seen anything happen yet. I think it's probably, odds-on favorite that he's actually going to stay on Brooklyn at least at the start of next season. That would be my guess. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to do a Ben Simmons and um, and hold out and not play or anything like that. That would be interesting. I'd, I'd, I mean, I don't know anymore. I didn't think that Ben Simmons would do that last year. So um, I, I really don't know anymore. But I, I don't know what deal is out there for Kevin Durant. And I think in a trade we're going to talk about later, the, the Rudy Gobert trade, really made it hard for teams to get uh, an offer on the table that the Nets are going to accept after they've just seen the package that, that another team got for Gobert. So um, I, in my opinion, I think that, that the start of next season, Durant will still be on the Nets. What, what are your th- thoughts on where you think he will end up or, or where he will be at the start of next season? Um, I think that would be the odds on favorite as well. I, I agree with you there. I, I guess a historic reference. Um, Kobe Bryant did this yeah. um, back in his tenure. He requested a trade. And pretty much said, I want to go to a contender. And it was weirdly kind of concluded that all the teams that could trade for him were giving up so much pieces that whatever team he was left with wasn't the best um, in the world. And a, a trade, this never came to fruition. Yeah. That may be, uh, yeah, this may be a, a similar scenario. It, it is funny you mentioned that. I was trying to think of like the players of Durant's talent that have requested a trade. And Kobe Bryant was the only real name that I could that I could think of, really. Um, sure, we had Anthony Davis a few seasons, but Anthony Davis wasn't on Durant's level. He, he wasn't a best two or three player in the NBA. But um, he had the youth on his side, though. He did have... He, he was a bit that, younger. That youth. Yeah. Yeah. But I Kevin think... Durant's going to hold, isn't he 34, I think, this season? Uh, 33. I think, he's, I think his last season was 32, so he might be turning 33 this next season. He's got a four-year contract, is the other thing. So he's... Oh, what does that mean anymore? Like, what do these four-year contracts yeah, mean? Yeah, I know. Especially if people just keep like a Zion is going to turn around the corner next year. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I think Durant's got. He's he'll still be good when he's thirty-six. Uh, it's Kevin Durant. I, I don't think that he's someone who's going to fall off a cliff anytime soon. Um, he has had an injury history, which is probably the only cause for concern. Um, but it's Kevin Durant. Like he he's arguably a top fifteen player of all time. Top ten, some might say. Uh, he's he's one of the best generational talents we've ever seen. So it's it's a huge huge piece that's holding up a lot of the rest of free agency. So it is it is interesting. But but I would hazard a guess that he's going to be on the Nets before the season starts. But we never know. Things can change very quickly in the NBA. I, I didn't actually see this trade request coming um, personally. As soon as especially after Kyrie opted in, I thought okay they're gonna they're gonna run it back. They're gonna give us a shot. Ben Simmons, which I think is a competitive team. That's a team that as a Celtics fan, I'm I'm worried to go up against. That's a lot of talent. Um, 
but obviously the chemistry is something that uh, has yet to been demonstrated. Let's let's move away from KD and talk about that other trade that um, has, in my opinion, dented the likelihood of KD being moved before the season starts. Rudy Gobert traded to the Timberwolves on a huge, huge deal. Let's let's not understate this deal enough. Um, like I can't, I don't have the deal right in front of me, but I believe it was like four first round picks. Uh, Walker Kessler, who was a, a first round pick this year, I think it was a pick swap or two. Um, a bunch of other players, Jared Vanderbilt um, comes to mind, and, and a few other few other role players. But so yeah, yeah, Patrick Beverly, Patrick and Beverly, that's right, Malik Beasley, yeah, as well. But both good role players, yeah. And, and I actually really did quite like Vanderbilt. I think he's one of those guys who who hustles a lot and does a lot of those plays that don't end up on the box score. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll we'll discuss him when it comes to fantasy implications later and uh, and the winners. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, and then before this deal, they actually traded uh, Royce O'Neal for a first round pick as well to the Nets, which again another puzzling move. Um, but. Talk to me about oh, what that was the writing on the wall. Yeah, so. <laughs> that was that was. A, I thought it was a weird one because yeah, that was I, a Danny Ainge special. Yeah. Um, so, what are your thoughts on this from both sides, the Timberwolves side and the Utah side? Um, okay, Timberwolves. I'll start with Timberwolves. They traded for Rudy Gobert. I hate this trade for them. I absolutely yeah. despise it. I think it's a bad move. You think, um, it's, it it's a short-term move, and you should be building around your best talent in Anthony Edwards, who's 20 years old. I'm going to say it again. Anthony Edwards is 20 years yeah, old. Yeah. I, I think he's five years away, six years away from his peak. And, and, and when I say peak, I think this guy is, has like MVP he, kind of a ceiling. I, I would agree now's if everything time comes to win. together. Now, now's the time to just really cruise through him and, and get get some reps up. I, I don't know why they would give Rudy Gobert Fifty million a year, which is the contract, and give up all of these assets when they should just be building around Anthony Edwards in in the long term. I agree. I think this team, the Timberwolves, are going to go as far as Anthony Edwards takes them. I think. I think that's ultimately where their ceiling is. If if Anthony Edwards turns into that level of player, which I agree, I think he does have the capability of. It's not a certainty. It's not a foregone conclusion, but he does have that upside. If he does turn into that level of player, then they're, they're eventually going to be a contending team. If he doesn't, it, I don't really know if any moves they do tips them in that kind of realm, unless it is someone like a you know a Durant or, or something like that. But I don't know. I don't necessarily hate it as much as um, you do. I think it's it's I, I like teams and I like organizations that are willing to zig when the rest of the league is zagging. Do you know what I mean? Like. I, I, there's something that I respect about that. Like, you know, everyone's going smaller. Everyone's saying that, you know, like there was a lot of chat about Gobert can't guard in, in the playoffs and he can't stay on the floor, which I, I just blatantly disagree with. But the 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 idea of trying to pair, you know, Carlton Towns and move him to the four or power forward position and, and have, you know, your twin towers there with him and, and Gobert, I think is an interesting one. Um, whether or not it will work, I think the jury is out. Um, I, I maybe hold a little bit more optimism than, than you do, but I think it definitely makes them better. Like, I definitely think that they're fighting for a top four. Uh, maybe they won't get there, but they'll be very much in the mix. I think they're easily a top six seed. Um, I think that they're going to avoid the play-in tournament. Um, would you agree with that? Um, I, I would say they will be pushing for that top four. Yeah. Um, but, but I feel like that's probably only, let's say, over a two-year span. I think... He will be on the decline. At the end of this contract, Rudy Gobert will be 34 years old. Yeah. And Anthony Edwards will be about 24. Yeah, it is a short-sighted move. Um, and it's a lot to give up. I definitely do think it's an overpay. I think that they paid too much. Um, I think it's it's ballsy. Um, I, I, do, I, I agree with you and I worry where it puts them at the end of this contract of Rudy Gobert. And it kind of puts you in a hard spot because if Rudy Gobert is still doing all right, you probably still have to pay him a fair bit to keep yourself in that window and it's and it's it's hard to get better from there. You are really banking on the fact that Anthony Edwards becomes like an MVP level player, maybe someone like a Jada McDaniels who did they managed to keep a hold of in this deal elevates himself to a really le- good level starter. Um but it's interesting. I I from from a, a unbiased fan, I I'm interested to see how this plays out because there is a world that I see. Obviously, the, the NBA is very wing crazy at the moment. We all love our two-way wings, our forwards. 
in my in my like head, I kind of see this. I'm trying to think what the next evolution of the NBA is, and I don't think this is this is it. But I actually see a world where we're trending towards the return of the big man, but not your traditional big man. We're, we're gonna have two big guys that are skilled floor spaces, passes, can move in space, like your Chet Holmgrens, your Evan Mobleys, your Victor Wembayaba, who's coming in next year, who everyone is saying is the, the, the best thing since sliced bread. Um, I see that as like the evolution of the NBA. And, and whilst Rudy Gobert isn't that kind of type, it is it is interesting to see like these twin towers kind of um, defensive monsters, um, you know, Playing together because I think I think Carl Towns he can play as a four. He he definitely has the shooting and ball handling ability to do that. So it, it is interesting. Um, from a Utah perspective, obviously it's a massive win. I think it's um you've maximised your return. I don't think I don't know who else was offering this much. I mean, really, it was um yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they managed to pull this off with with the amount of assets they got back. But hey, do you think that Donovan Mitchell's getting moved now? Does that signal that for you, or do you think that they? No, don't I'm, have to- I'm not too sure. I think it could go both ways. You could convince me he, he'll stay there. You could convince me that um, he could get traded alongside these pieces because he's young enough you could build around him. Yeah. Um, right now, I think they are obviously going to go for a bit of a long term. Um, we'll see where we are in four or five years. Maybe he'll get over that and request a trade. Yeah. Um, maybe they'll build him at more of a point guard role and, and try and trial that for a, at least this season anyway. Um, but I, I would definitely say that they are gauging interest. Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. I think that the the good thing about this trade is that because of the amount of value they got back, they don't have to do that. They've already got a lot of draft picks that they can now use to retool or rebuild or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think that they do have a lot of options open. I do think eventually he does get moved. Maybe it's not this season, but maybe you know next season or something like that. I don't know, but um, I I do think that yeah, like you said, they're they're taking calls, engaging interests. Um, lastly, last thing before we move on to the um, the other trade over in the Eastern Conference, where do you where do you peg the very early reactions? Where do you peg the Timberwolves in the Western Conference? So I'll throw some teams up there, and, and you sort of let me know where you think. We've got obviously the Warriors, we've got the Mavs who are in the Western Conference Finals, the Suns. Um, then you've got teams like the Clippers who are, are coming back with some healthy players, the Nuggets. Um, uh, Teams like Memphis, although the Jaron Jackson Jr. injury, I think, does hurt them. Um, and even teams like the Pelicans, you know, with a healthy Zion, are, are on the rise as well. Like, where I see it as a very, very tight race in the West. Um, where do you sort of see the Timberwolves fitting into that mix? Yeah, the West will be really deep again next season. We'll have uh, Dame Lillard back at the Blazers right. yep. as well. You've got these Kings. Um, like, made <laughs> a good to, roster. Like, maybe they'll win a few more games playoff. than 30. <laughs> Obviously, the Spurs will drop off, and um, yep. that's notable. The Thunder will probably stay where they are. Um, the Clips, they should make a big jump. In terms of my top four, uh, I'm pretty confident saying in no particular order, but Suns, Warriors, Clippers. Um, I think Mavericks have probably fallen off a bit. Nuggets will jump up. But I, I think they'll be right next to like a that. Nuggets team. Um, so they they will be battling for that fourth seed. Yeah, four, five, six kind of thing, like that kind of that kind yeah. of realm. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think I I think I have the same teams as you. I'm very bullish on the Clippers next year. I think um, if any team has um, the ability to surprise and sort of make an ups, oh, oh, hard to call it an upset, but like obviously they weren't there this year, but they're a really deep team, very talented team. I think the Clippers, as well as the Warriors and um, Suns, should be should be right up there. So let's move on to the other blockbuster trade. Um, DeJounte Murray traded to the Atlanta Hawks, uh, obviously getting a lot of picks back. Um, this obviously signals that the Spurs are in the tank race. They're, they're early into the race for Victor Wembiaba, um, for next year, who is the six foot, uh, sorry, seven foot three, uh, sensation from France. Um, and DeJounte Murray to pair over with Trey Young for Atlanta. What are your thoughts on this trade, uh, for both teams? Uh, I'll start with the Hawks and, and say I do like the fits with him and Trey Young. I think Trey, it, it makes sense to pair him with a good defensive-minded um, guard as yep. well, so he can take a lot of that duty. Because um, Dejounte Murray is arguably, you know, like a defensive team, you know, top ten yeah. um, in terms of defense. In terms of guards, you know, you could have him in the first team. I, I wouldn't I really absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't argue that really at all. I think he did. Um, I think he led the league in steals and he was the first person to do that without being on an all-defensive team uh, 
Fun fact. There you go. There but you yeah, go. interesting. Enough, I, I I do I do like the trade. I think him and Trey should work together. Um, their fantasy output will both be affected. Yeah. Um, I didn't quite like. I don't know why their picks were unprotected. They gave a twenty-five and a twenty-seven first round pick, which are both unprotected. Like, uh, well, I think that's. I thought these days you at least like top four protected or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess. Come that's, on. <laughs> I guess that's just the value of Dejounte Murray. And I, if I'm the Spurs, I, I definitely would be asking for that. And um, I think if you're Atlanta, you just you, you're assuming that you're going to be good. These these are two still young pieces, so. You're hoping that you're sustaining a good level of basketball for a long time, but you know an injury here or there um, can definitely impact that. Um, so it's interesting. I think it's a decent return for, for for Murray. I think for the Spurs, I I don't know. I never in my head. I know there was a lot of trade talk coming up to the draft. In my head, I was never. I never thought the Spurs were actually going to trade Dejounte Murray. I, I always thought he was he was young enough to build around. Um, he's I'm a big Dejounte Murray fan. I think he's a really good player. We had him in our Robin tier uh, when we went through our our top fifty players. Um, so I, I'm definitely a believer. Some say that maybe that was a bit too early. He hasn't proved anything yet. But I think this is a good opportunity for us to really see him on a, on a good team. And I think he's instantly the second best player, if not. Maybe he's better than Trey Young. Maybe he's more impactful for winning when you take into account the defensive side of the court. I, I like like you. I, I like the the pairing because you can have Trey off the ball, run him around some screens like a like a Steph Curry kind of vibe, and and Dejounte can run that point guard. You can stagger their minutes a lot, and always have a good playmaker out on the, on the court at any, at any one point. And uh, and you can also hide hide um, Trey as well, and and obviously the, the the spacing that Trey provides helps someone like a Dejounte Murray. So I think I think it's a really good pairing. Um, I think I, I threw up a controversial tweet the other day saying that um, now these are always fun to, to debate, but I think that uh, Dejounte Murray and Trey Young you could argue are the the best backcourt in the NBA. Um, Instantly, I, I think I got a lot of pushback saying Chris Paul and Devin Booker, which was the one I was probably considering, and then Steph and Clay. But I mean, Steph's probably he elevates it there on his own. Um, but I'm not I'm not too much of a fan of Clay these days. Maybe he can he can get back to it. But from what I've seen since his injury, return from injury, I don't know if he's in that conversation just yet with those guys. But what about a Ja Morant, Desmond Bain? Did did he come up at all? Yeah, I mean, Ja obviously Ja's. Um, Better than a lot of these other guys, but the Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain's pretty good too, man. I mean, he's a good uh, shooter. That's a pretty he's, good one-two punch. He's good. Uh, he's a good player. I think he's a solid starter. He's definitely a rung below a lot of these other guys. It's it's obviously hard when you've got some tandems that are one guy's up here and the other one's way down here, whereas a lot of these other guys are a bit more even. So the totality of what they bring, uh, I think it's 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 hard to compare. But I think they're definitely up there. Like, would you not agree with that? It's a, in the, it's a conversation, at least. So they're in the conversation. Uh, I, I do definitely believe that. In terms of a tandem as well, because both of them will be running the team a lot. It's not like your point guard, shooting guard. It's like these are two guys, historically are point guards, and they will be sharing that authority and, and sharing it. So it will be um, pretty cool to watch. Yeah, and, and just the way they fit. I think they fit together uh, really well, uh, maybe better than some of these other guys. But I think there'll be a bit of an adjustment period. Do you think that the Hawks are a contender in the East now? Like, do they come up to the Celtics, the Bucks, and um, maybe some of those other teams? Um, I, I wouldn't quite call them a contender yet. Um, they, they did lose Herter, who I did like for them, um, Kevin Herter. Um, yeah. Gallinari's gone now as well. Uh, look. I think they'll be competitive. They'll be a playoff team, um, but I think they're still young. Maybe in a couple of years when they get a bit of chemistry together. Yeah, um, uh, we're still not too sure about the whole John Collins piece either. Yeah, John Collins, Clint Capella. I think that there's some moves there. I personally think that Capella is probably a more tradable piece than Collins. Um, just me, because, me too, because Congo is awesome. I, I really do like Congo. Yeah, I think I think you've got you've got someone right there in the in the sort of wings waiting to replace Capella. So he's he's much more expendable to that team. So if you can get, you know, a, a good small forward or, or, or some more wings um, as a replacement for them, I think that does improve them. So they do have scope to improve still, but I agree. They're probably a step behind those guys, but similar to like the Timberwolves in the West, I kind of see Atlanta as a similar kind of level in the Eastern Conference. Um, so, yeah, very interesting to see how they go. Let's move on. We'll move on to free agency talking now, and we're going to focus a little bit more on the fantasy basketball 
side of things now. So we're going to go through some of our winners, our losers, and then just some other ones that are interesting. We're not too sure one way or the other how, how it's going to pan out, but just ones that we wanted to highlight and discuss the potential impact. Um, I've got a couple of nets here that I want to highlight. Um, one is because of uh, he's been re-signed, and one because... I mean, there's a lot of question marks, obviously, with Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant. But two winners from the Brooklyn Nets here. I've got uh, Nicholas Claxton and Ben Simmons. Let's start with Claxton first. He's re-signed with them on a two-year deal. They've obviously lost Andre Drummond, who's gone to Chicago, I believe. Um, so he looks like he's taken the reins on the starting center job. I've been a big Claxton fan for a while now. I was maybe a bit early last year. But I think this might be the final, finally the year that we see him... Uh, break out or, or take the reins at least as a starting center in the NBA. What, what are your thoughts on Claxton from a fantasy perspective? Uh, I will address the elephant in the room and say the whole DeAndre Ayton thing yeah. is a bit interesting. Um, and, and if there is that trade with Cam Durant, he he would be centered around it. He still doesn't sign a contract. Um, but yeah. assuming Claxton and, and Durant obviously on this team, he, he definitely has the road to some good minutes this season. He put up 20 minutes per game last season. You only really got him for the field goal at 67% and and the blocks at just over one block a game. Um, but 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 we know this guy is a good brim runner. He'll finish it. That's why his field goal is there and, and he can get the blocks. So if he gets the minutes, I, I do definitely see this guy as a winner and it looks like he um, should pretty much have the starting role um, for the team. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, the, with the Nets, there's a lot of things that could happen with Kevin Durant obviously being the, the elephant in the room. So, But I think at this stage, at this current moment in time, he looks like he's a starting NBA center. He's not going to blow you away. He's not going to be you know something that's out of this world. But those conventional big man stats, field goal percentage, rebounds, and a really good shot blocker as well. So someone who's going to be... Uh, contribute in those categories and obviously in fantasy basketball that's always valuable we still need to take into account the fact that he's a bit of an injury prone player he has had some troubles with his knees and ankles and and lots of little weird injuries um, in the past so something to always keep in mind uh, and take into account when drafting him Ben Simmons what are we getting from Ben Simmons this year I'm calling him a winner just because it sounds like and I wouldn't be surprised if by fantasy playoff time Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are not this, on this team. And there is a world where this becomes Ben Simmons' team. I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about. But I'm still a Ben Simmons believer, especially from a fantasy point of view. He's going to still be an elite steals guy, a great rebounder, a great field goal percentage guy, great assist player. There's still lots to like about his game from a fantasy perspective. So there might be a little bit of a bad taste in our mouth, but I think for that reason, he could... I mean, the ADP data isn't out yet, but he could be a fantasy draft day steal on uh, when it comes to next season. What, what are your thoughts about Ben Simmons? Um, there definitely is that potential that if they tear it down, he could um, end up being a pretty awesome, let's say, second rounder or something like that. His best season where he was arguably a number two option, he put up 17 points, 8.8 rebounds. 7.7 assists while getting um 1.4 steals and almost a block a game. So pretty awesome field goal was was through the roof as well. It's just that um field goal percentage that that yeah. eats at your um fantasy stock. Yeah, obviously the free throws and the threes, he's not going to be contributing much there, but the you know, as well. you, you take that into account when you're building your team and that's fine. Um so I just wanted to highlight him that he he's not a forgotten man. I still think he has a lot to contribute. So let's let's keep an eye on him. Let's move over to oh, this. Well, oh, we'll reverse back. What if um, hypothetically Durant and Kyrie both stay in this team? Would you still have him as a winner? I still think he's I still think he's a winner just because one he's healthy and two I just think that there's a lot of he's potential. Playing. Uh, oh, there's, <laughs> he's playing. There's a lot of potential for Durant and Irving to even if they're on the team to not be playing. Um, it just this whole situation just seems very toxic. Um, and for once, I actually think that Ben Simmons might be the one that's actually reliable, which is hilarious to say. Uh, assuming his back is healthy, obviously, I think he had uh, surgery on his back, uh, which ended he his did. season last year. Um, um, it's obviously way before the season starting. Uh, I think he's supposed to be ready by training camp. So, um, you know, if Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant are off, you know, doing holdouts and stuff like that, and Ben Simmons is 
is the mainstay there, then obviously they're going to focus more of their attention on getting him some reps. So that's for that reason, I think he's a slight winner um, and someone I just want to bring into the, the spotlight. Let's talk about some Spurs. Um, I've got two guys I want to highlight. Maybe you want to throw out some more at me, Cal, but two guys that I think are big winners here are Devin Vassell, who was a, we called him a big winner at the trade deadline last season. And Trey Jones, who um, had some good games down the stretch of last year and with Jonte Murray leaving and them not really getting any established player back, I think those two are going to be ones that um, take a big role. You could throw away uh, everyone's favorite uh, draft pick in, in Josh Primo out there. Um, maybe he, he shocks the world and does something. But I think, I think these two in particular are probably the biggest fantasy uh, noteworthy players. Um, yeah, Trey, Trey Jones is, is a good shout-out. He did, like, if he gets minutes, he seems to be able to put up stats. He only yes. really played about five games towards the end of the season, but he was in double digits. He, he had a 14-point, 10-assist game, uh, which is pretty impressive. Seemed pretty um, consistent on the assists, um, and we, which is hard to and get steals, in your draft, yeah. so it is definitely someone to keep an eye on. If, if you hear any word that he will get a pretty good amount of minutes, uh, he could be a guy to jump on for sure. Yeah, I think he's going to be a, a fun name that, um, I mean, it's always hard to tell this far out before, you know, fantasy drafts start happening. But I see him going one of two ways. Either he's going to be a really hyped guy and he might actually go too far one way, or he's going to be a, a real sleeper that people aren't thinking about. I, I'm tending to lean more towards the first option because there's just no one on this Spurs team. And I feel like people are going to be aware of that. But he's going to be up and down, obviously. He's a young player. He's not someone who is someone who is highly sought after in the draft or anything like that. He, he does, didn't come in with a huge amount of pedigree, but he um, he definitely has put up some some decent stats, um, especially towards the end of last season. So um, someone that definitely is a winner with Shante Murray leaving. Um, let's move over to one of the other guys in that trade involved was Walker Kessler. Now, he was someone that we did highlight when we did our rookie rankings. Now, this is before the news, so obviously that's going to have to change. But he is someone who gets a huge boost. Obviously, he's not going to be playing alongside or behind Carthony Towns. Um, does he start in Utah? I would have to think that right now he's the starting center. I mean, I don't... You, you might have Hassan Whiteside, although I don't think he's actually re-signed yet. And I think he's technically a free agent. So if if Walker Kessler is a starting center in the NBA, he's going to put up some big numbers, and um, I can see him, you know, being easily a top ninety, top you know, eighty five player next season if he gets twenty eight minutes a night because he's going to put up blocks, field goal percentage. He's actually a decent steals guy, rebounds. He can shoot the three a little bit. Free throw percentage is all right. Um, he's a very very friendly fantasy player, so I think he's a huge winner. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not too sure who the, who they signed. I know that uh, Whiteside was expiring, um, so I'm not too sure if he is still there or not. But with Rudy leaving, um, there is obviously a pretty big window. I'm looking at their roster now. There's no one on the books um, that was a center that they would have had going into next season. Um, even Eric Pascal, his his expired yep. as well. So, depending on who else they signed, uh, that looks like you should have a pretty clear line. And that man was a block. Um, he averaged like over four blocks a game. It was, yeah, I think he had a record um, or pretty, something Pretty like ridiculous. That. He's a big dude. He'll get in people's way. So if he gets minutes, you can lock him in for probably two blocks a game. Yeah, definitely. I think I think he's, um, especially in dynasty rankings, obviously, you know, next year I think he's going to be good, especially if he's in minutes. But, you know, if he can lock down a solid, a solid role, he might be a really good dynasty draft um, guy as well. Another guy on the um, Utah Jazz that I want to highlight as a big winner, I think, is Jared Vanderbilt, who was always competing with Jaden McDaniels for minutes on the Timberwolves last season. And we knew that he was the better fantasy contributor when he got minutes. Um, so it looks like, especially with Royce O'Neal gone, he's going to step into that role, get his 28 to 30 minutes a night, and he's going to be someone, whilst he's not going to put up a lot of points, but rebounds, steals, great field goal percentage, um, maybe you know a little bit of blocks there as well, but he's definitely someone who I think is going to be a big winner and maybe a bit of a an underrated um, draft guy. I think he's actually going to be a bit of a sleeper going into next season. He's probably a watchless guy for me at this point because he still he still had 25 minutes a game. Um, when he was with the Timberwolves. And, and I like what he did. He was a hustle. He got 1.3 steals, half a block with um, 59% field goal. Um, so so there's some good signs there. But I think he is just one of those guys where the box score may not really show how, how good he is really influencing the court. So fantasy-wise, I question if he will 
get into say let's say top 120 value i reckon this is this is the guy when you're in my um, i'm gonna do it next year the punt point strategy this guy right here he'll be super valuable i'm telling you man. punt points makes sense yeah, yeah yeah punt points this guy's gonna be super valuable um and, and he's like obviously when you do punt points often punt threes is also a good way to go with that so he's a guy that shines in that kind of a, a, a value as well uh, we can't go a winner's segment without mentioning our boy here Alperin Shengun who um, obviously this is a trade that happened uh, before the draft that I don't think we've really touched on um, in any great detail but Alperin Shengun is a huge winner so far in free agency um, the fact that they didn't draft a center in the draft they've traded away um, Christian Wood it looks to me like they're going to be starting um, Sengun at the center. Then you've probably got Jabari Smith, either at the three or the four, maybe Atari Eason in there. Jay Sean Tate signed a team-friendly deal, so he'll be still around. But Sengun, I think, is going to be a big winner. And if he can get 30 minutes a game, man, this guy could put up some serious stats next year, and the top 50 would not shock me. He's a stat stuffer. He can get assists as well for a big man. Average two and a half on limited minutes last season. Uh, can be a guy that gets steals and blocks yep. as well. Can be kind of sneaky. I think he's just a great fantasy contributor. Um, field goal. Um, you, you would hope his free throw does get a, a little bit higher. Um, he can be a bit costly in turnovers, but the net positives there are, are awesome. He could be a total steal next draft. Um, one guy to look out for, though, is um, his front court mate in Garuba. Um, yeah. he, he could get some minutes this season going in the full tank, the, the Spaniard, and, and he could... Um, be good value in terms of blocks as well. So I would still be keeping I more so group on my watch list and see how many minutes he yep. gets. Uh, but Shangun, I think does have a, a pretty clear line to at least 25 minutes a game. Yeah, definitely. I think um, whilst I, I'm not sure if he's going to be a steal on, on fantasy draft day, I think the hype around Shangun is um, very, it's very real. And maybe we've done a bit to contribute to that, but um, it, it depends where he's sort of going in drafts. I, I do see a scenario that maybe he does get overdrafted. There is that risk just because he's like a classic hype guy. Um, but I, I do expect some some pretty nice things from Shangun next season. Um, the next guy that we're going to talk about here, maybe another another dynasty deep league winner that I do just want to highlight. He's a guy that I'm a big fan of. Um, Jalen Johnson for the Atlanta Hawks. Just with the fact that Gallinari was involved in that trade for DeJounte Murray, there's, there are those rumors with um, John Collins and Clint Capella. I think he's going to step in to play that backup four position that Gallinari was playing. So I don't think he's going to be someone that really um, tempts us in standard leagues just yet. But in a deeper format, you know, maybe a 14 to 16 team league format um, or, you know, obviously your dynasty leagues, deeper dynasty leagues, he is someone that I'm definitely keeping an eye on. He was a top 20 pick last year, stuffs the stat sheets, um, you know, points, rebounds, steals, blocks, good field goal percentage. Um, yeah, I think he's someone that I definitely would at least have on your watch list, even in a standard league and in a deeper league, I would, I would be taking a flyer on him at the end of the draft. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. They also gave up, um, Kevin Herter, who we mentioned before. Right. So there's a couple of wings couple of, out of the rotation who yeah. did have some pretty major minutes. Yeah. Just a couple of rotation guys that might get him into the rotation regularly. Um, the last guy we're going to talk to you about a winner that, um, you, you've popped in on our little run sheet here. I'm not necessarily... I'm not as sure about this one, but let's have the discussion anyway. Jalen Brunson, he's uh, the $100 million man, um, the, the the savior of the New York Knicks. Firstly, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Jalen Brunson and all this hype between him and the Knicks? I've been um, trolling him a little bit on Twitter just because it's, it's it feels like the Knicks have signed Kevin Durant here or, or, or someone that's going <laughs> to change life in New York. But I, I like Jalen Brunson. I think he's a great player, but... Just the fact that they've traded away picks, they've cleared all this cap space, traded all these guys, and, and then they signed into a hundred-plus-million-dollar deal. Um, I think he's a good player, but I don't know. I don't know what we're, what we're thinking he's going he's gonna to do in New York here. But you, you think he's going to be a winner from fantasy perspective? I 100% do. He's not sharing the court with one of the most ball-dominant players that we have in today's NBA in, in Luka Doncic. He's a great point guard. Um, the sample size you see when Luka is out and when he plays, he, he does have some pretty awesome stats. You, you look at the Utah series, for example, I believe, um, I believe that Dontich missed the first four games for that. And, and we're talking points. He put up 24 points, 41, 31, 23, um, and, and got a couple wins there. That was huge in that series while Luka was out. And, and this is, 
Um, a guy that has handed the keys here in New York. You have the whole Julius Randle situation. I'm, I'm not too sure how, how that'll turn out, but you have that young RJ Barrett in a great lefty lineup. Um, I think it is exciting. Yeah. I, I like the fit. He's a guy that can contribute really good field goal um, from a guard yes. as well um, and, and can get you some pretty good assists. And, and I think the points would definitely be on the rise next season. I think, uh, look, I think he'll get maybe a slight uptick. I'm not expecting a huge jump in his minutes. He was already, um, you know, averaging 32 minutes a night last year. He, he did already put up 16 points, five assists, uh, four rebounds. He's never been a guy to get a lot of steals. He gets zero blocks, absolutely no blocks at all. Um, he's, he's already a decently efficient guard in terms of protecting the ball and not turning it over. Like you said, it's great field goal percentage. So, I just don't know, like what what growth are we are we expecting? Are we expecting him to become a twenty point per night scorer? I I don't know if I see that. I think maybe he, you know, tops out at maybe like a seventeen, seventeen and a half, eighteen, maybe, maybe he can get the assist from five to six. That's probably as as high as I see him going. And to me, that's. You know, you say he's not playing with Luka Doncic, who's obviously the the usage monster in Dallas, but he is going to play next to you know high usage players in Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, um, who do like the ball in their hands. Like, obviously, they're not Luka, but I don't know. I, I I don't see this huge jump that that maybe others might, and I'm not sure. Obviously, like we said, we don't have the ADP data yet, but um, it'd be interesting to see where he is going in drafts. Obviously, he's he's a draftable player. He's someone who I definitely say is a maybe a top 100 player. But I don't see like maybe a top seventy, top sixty upside really. I honestly think um, he can put up twenty points and six assists, and and that's why I'm hiring him. I okay. think he has handed the keys here. He's going to be running this team, and he'll be efficient from field goal, from a point guard, which can be valuable, and takes care of the ball on turnovers. So there's a lot of things. It's really just like, you know, yeah, sure, he doesn't give you blocks, but there's not many guards that really do yeah, contribute in right. that area anyway. Um, so the net positives, like the yeah, the three throw percentage is quite good as well. Um, I, I just see it all round as being boosted, specifically points and assists, which should raise his rate, rating quite considerably. He is he is like a unique guard in that sense with the field goal percentage. Like if you're a if you're a big uh, centered team and you want guards that aren't going to hurt your field goal percentage, you're really looking after that category. He is someone that um, is valuable for that reason. So I think in certain builds, he can definitely um, add a lot of value. So interesting to see how how they do work things out in uh, New York over there as well. Let's go on to some losers. Let's get negative here. Uh, I'm going to highlight a couple of players that we might have pegged as first-round picks um, in drafts uh, for next season that I'm not sure if they are anymore. Uh, I'll start with Carl Anthony Towns for the Minnesota Timberwolves with Rudy Gobert coming over. Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns isn't losing usage to uh, uh, Gobert, but He's going to move over to power forward, which I think negatively affects his rebounds. It negatively affects his field goal percentage, and I think it might drop his blocks as well. So whilst I think his scoring is unaffected, um, it's just those other categories that are a huge boost for him that I think drops just enough to push him into like a a second round uh, spot. Would you agree on that assessment? Um, I'm not too sure where I would rank him, but but I do see a fall off. I do see a fall off. I can see the points being similar, but I do see the rebounds dropping. Um, I could argue maybe the three pointers go up. He did put up two yeah. three pointers a game. He, he, he did get a steal and one point one blocks. I, I do kind of think that that'll also be maintained. The um, it, 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 the twin towers thing, the defensive side. I mean, one steal, one block isn't really amazing anyway. It's, I yeah, it's really think that's just what he will put up, right? Yeah, yeah, um, I guess. It's probably just the points and the field goal for me, um, but the rebounds. Once again, I guess goal. the threes could go up. So I'm a bit mixed. I think he probably still is a net loser, um, but it's yeah, yet to be det- um, determined. Yeah, I think that's a good point there with the threes. If the threes going up is enough to negate the the field goal percentage and, and rebound loss. I tend to think that it might not be, but it won't be disaster. Like he, he'll still be a very valuable player. Maybe, maybe he's that back end of the first. I, I, there's a lot of moving pieces, and there are a few guys in the back end of that first round which are actually hard to peg with Damian Lillard and stuff coming back. Um, where is he going to be? Um, you know, we had Dejounte Murray pegged as a first rounder until this trade. 
is he still there now? Not sure. I think he's probably moving back a bit. Um, there's a few other guys with health concerns, Embiid, uh, Durant, who know what's what's going on there, Kyrie Irving, who knows? It's it's a tough spot there after those sort of first five or six guys. It's um there is a there is a bit of a blanket you could throw over some guys. Um, but I do think uh, a net loss for Carthy Towns is is fair enough to say. Let's talk about DeJounte Murray. Now, we were getting very excited. I was getting very excited as someone who has a lot of um, DeJounte Murray dynasty stock. Disappointed, um, personally, <laughs> to see him traded to a team with a player like Trey Young. Obviously, he's going to take a hit in his assists. He's probably going to take a hit in points as well. Um, the good thing about uh, DeJounte Murray is he's an excellent steals guy. He's one of the best in the league. He's a decent rebounder, but uh, I think he's going to experience uh, across-the-board dips, um, especially going from a team like the Spurs to a team like the Hawks. Um, even rebounds could go down if, if you still got Capella or Okongu there. Um, he's probably not going to be needed to do as much of that. So definitely, probably not a first-round guy anymore. Maybe, maybe he's still a second-round guy, though, would you say? Late second? Where, where do you see him going? In I'd probably feel pretty comfortable with a third rounder. Um, you could, if you really wanted him, get him late second. But I, I probably feel there might be some of the better guys out there. Um, it, the steals are still elite, like you said. Yes, I, I think the three main main contributing stats. I see points dropping. I see rebounds dropping, and an assist should take a pretty pretty, pretty big hit as well. Hit. There's no way he's putting up no. nine assists. No, he's again. definitely not. I think There's that's probably no the biggest hit. Um, so, okay, let me read. So last year he averaged 21, uh, 9, and 8 with two steals. Um, what, do you, what do you see those raw numbers being in 2022? Just, you know, at, obviously it's early days. I see him hovering like around the 20 in points. I see okay. the rebounds coming down to about 7 and the assists dropping to, say, 6. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's a pretty net. Uh, like the turnovers might come down a bit as the only positive really. Um, he's not nowhere, not going to shoot as much. He put up 18 shots a game. I see that dropping to, say, 14, 15 attempts a game. Um, what result that has in the field goal, maybe like jump up a slightly. But I, I think the positive rebound, the points, rebounds, and assists are all going to fall. Yeah, I actually think I, I, I think you're pretty close to the money there with your projections in terms of, yeah, maybe, maybe 19, 20 points. Yeah, the seven, seven rebounds, six assists. I think the steals are going to stay high, um, which is a good thing. His field goal percentage might actually make a bit of a jump up. Obviously, he's not going to carry as much of the offensive load, so he might get close to that high 40s, 47, 48% field goal percentage, which is very valuable from a point guard position. So I do think he's going to be he's going to be a, a great great player and a great fantasy contributor, and is still very valuable in those you know punt threes, punt um, free throw percentage kind of builds. But obviously, yeah, the the excitement that we had about him last season is uh, you know a bit of a wet blanket thrown on that one. Um, and and his teammate Trey Young as well, I think, is also someone who's going to be negatively affected just because you've got two high usage guards in the same team. Trey Young is one of those guys. I think I actually think that his stock takes more of a hit. Ah, uh, actually, I don't know. I I think they they take a fairly similar size hit because Trey Young doesn't have those steals to bolster his value like a like a Dejounte Murray does. His concentrated value is very much in the points, threes, and re and assists. Sorry, and if you're going to take a hit in points, you're going to take a hit in assists. That's a lot of what you bring to the table. So I can actually see him. Um, I don't know. Who, who would you take first, DeJounte Murray or Trey Young in a draft? Obviously, they bring different things, but. They bring different things. I still probably uh, would take Trey Young um, just because how he can explode, especially in a week to week season. See, I might go DeJounte there still. I don't know. I think Trey Young's got a few holes in his game and, and even did so when DeJounte wasn't there. But it's close, I'd say. Trey's an interesting one. I, I, I think the points will still be there. The rebounds are pretty minimal anyway. Uh, the assists will drop down. He, it, was, it was almost 10 assists a game. You, you have to think, let's say that drops to eight or, seven or eight, yeah. maybe seven and a half. Yeah. Um, the turnovers would come down, so that's a positive. Um, the field goal could go up, um, but the three throws attempted may come down. I, I think he will always kind of draw three throws, though, um, with, that's kind of like part of the game that he plays. It reminds so me. He, he's a bit trickier to figure out for me. It reminds me uh, that the year that um, uh, James Harden and Chris Paul kind of paired up, we were sort of 
I think it was it was James Harden that was the the double digit assist guy, and then Chris Paul came along. Twelve assists a game. Yeah, and and they they took a sizable hit um, in that part of his game. But but James Harden maintained a really high level va- uh, value in fantasy. Uh, obviously, Dejounte Murray and, and Trey Young aren't that highly sought after, and they have a few more holes in their games. But I do think that. There might be, I mean, again, it's hard to, but I'm projecting that there might be a little bit of an overreaction to this. I still think these both these players should be drafted at the very latest in the third round, but but I could definitely still see them both being second-round players in standard leagues, um, in category leagues, that is. Um, so whilst they are losers to what we were hoping they were going to be, I still think they're going to be really good fantasy options. Let's talk a couple of more obvious ones. Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, great deal for my Celtics. Good trade, guys. Uh, I'm really happy to see you join the team. Welcome, Malcolm. Um, but from a fantasy point of view, I think he's a loser. Do you think he is starting for this team? Um, or do you think he's coming off the bench? That's There's a question for you. Um, I have a feeling he will be coming off the bench. Uh, that's my gut feeling. Uh, I still I feel like they run with pretty much that starting five. Um, you could argue... I mean, who was that starting four in the end? Was it, was it Grant Williams? It was I mean, Al Horford. Horford. Yeah, yeah. I think that starting five will remain untouched. Brogdon will come off the bench, which he's done successfully yeah. for the Bucks as well. But there's no way he's putting up 19 points, five rebounds, and six assists again. He's always been a guy that doesn't really contribute uh, on your defensive stats either. He's struggled to get above one steal on multiple seasons. Um, so based on that, he's really just a points and assists guy for me now. Yeah, yeah, I think he's a, he's a bit of a yeah points, th- maybe some threes and free throw percentage. Like he's a uh, who's who's a good comp for him. He's like a I don't know, Derek like, a, Rose? like a Reggie Reggie Jackson or yeah, like a Derek Rose kind of type would would be sort of how I view him. Derek Rose is a good one. Yeah, some of those guys that you, you draft at the end of your your draft, that upside's not really there unless there's an injury. Um, but they they do enough to be rostered. Um, but but nothing to really get yourself excited. I, do you think it hurts Marcus Smart at all? I think maybe Marcus Smart takes a little bit of a dip in his assists, but I still think he's going to get his minutes. He's still going to be their guy, their their um, their starting point guard or, or primary ball handler for that team. So I'm not too worried, but maybe the assists take a slight hit. I, I agree, but I think it would be pretty minor. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I could see is maybe if they're trying to um, extend Al Horford's career that during the regular season, they, they take it a bit easier on him, um, play him some fewer minutes so you do go with that smaller lineup and you, you maybe do run Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White um, a, a bit more alongside. Um, you have that three-guard rotation with them and Marcus Smart and, and Al Horford plays a little bit less of that power forward, a little bit more of that backup center. I could see that. Um just especially for the regular season, trying to save Al Horford for the playoffs. Um, that would be my only way that I could see that maybe some of that value being salvaged by Brogdon, but but either which way you cut it, he's, he's a loser here. Um, it's just about how much, really, in the end. Um, and the last loser that we'll highlight today is Jeremy Grant. Obviously, trade before the draft, traded over to the... Um, Portland Trailblazers, he's going from being basically the number one guy from the Detroit Pistons to maybe the number three guy in Portland behind Damian Lillard and maybe Simons, I guess. So I think it's a great trade for the the, um, the Trailblazers. I think it's a good actual fit for him and a role for him. But obviously from a fantasy point of view, he's going to lose a lot of value in his points and um, uh, impacts for his field goal percentage and all those sort of things which made him um, what he was. Yeah, the points are definitely coming down. Um, he's, as you touched on, he was a number one option with Detroit, and, and now he's arguably a number three. You could even say, I mean, Nurkic has a pretty high usage um, there as well. They just gave him a good contract. Yeah, um, They do r- kind of run plays through the high post through him. He does get your one steal, one block. I think that'll be maintained as well. Um, look, maybe you could argue he has left less of an offensive role. Maybe he'll get a bit more on the defensive stats. He has averaged two blocks a game previously, but that was when he was a bit of a, a spark bunny off the bench. So You could see that come back. I don't know if he's going to reach two blocks a game, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of those defensive numbers do come back up. Yeah, uh, but the points are definitely going down. Um, uh, he's a hard guy to, to, to get. Um, I guess the turnovers will obviously drop as well. Um, his field goal percentage is pretty bad, so you'd expect that would obviously come up now, get some better looks. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to mix for him. I, I think, like, where would you be probably drafting Jeremy Grant. 
I think he's he's probably at outside the top 100, I'd say. Um, outside the top 100? Yeah, he probably... I was, gonna, I was thinking like 80s, 90s. Yeah, I, I'd probably like early 100s. Off the top of my head, again, it's... It's early. I haven't done my, my projections yep. or, or rankings or anything like that. But just just gut feel, I'd say, around that 100 mark. Um, I, could, I could change when I go through that. Obviously, these, these free agencies are still on. There's still trades that could happen and things like that. But gut feel, I'd, yeah, maybe around that 100 mark, personally. But that's just me. Let's talk about... Um, so those are our winners and our losers. We're going to talk about a few other guys that are interesting signings. Um, not necessarily winners or losers, but guys that... I'm keeping an eye on, um, and and maybe guys that will be discussed as the season goes along. We're going to start over with the Knicks and a guy that I've been keeping an eye on for personal and, and selfish reasons because um, I've got him in a few dynasty leagues. But Isaiah Hartenstein picked up by the Knicks. He's a permanent beast, and um, he goes to a team. Obviously, it sounds like he's going to be still the backup center, but he's going to be backing up Mitchell Robinson, which we know isn't the pillar of health or or um, you know great at keeping his fouls under control. So there is an opportunity or a scenario here where he does see himself in a larger role. However, it, 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 there could have been better places that he he could have gone to, um, and, and you know your boy Obi Toppin might even start to see some more minutes at the center. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on Hartenstein and his landing spot at the Knicks? I, I like where he projects. I think he could be a, definitely a block streamer. Uh, I see him putting out minutes up to 25 minutes a game. Um, 25 minutes, I think. So I think Mitchie Robinson gets in foul trouble a fair bit. Yeah. He's their starting guy. He's never really put up a lot of minutes to begin with. Yeah. And, and outside of um, Hartenstein, I guess they had the rookie in Jericho Sims. It was a bit of a second rounder who yeah, they were giving minutes to at the end of the season. I don't but that's about it a... in terms of his competition for the center position, at, unless they go small and, and they do something uh, with your, as you mentioned, Obi Toppin. Uh, Obi yeah. Toppin. Or, or they sign a, a DeAndre Ayton or something like that. I don't know. Which I don't, I don't know if they have the cap space or something to do that. Maybe a sign and trade or something. Uh, after like the Brunson, the Brunson, they they would not have a cap space to yeah. give them that. Yeah, it's tough to see them making any of other big moves. But um, so what did what did um? Let me just have a look at how many minutes Mitchell Robinson averaged. So Mitchell Robinson averaged nearly twenty six minutes per night. So say you have. 26 for Mitchell Robinson, and then you've got you know 22 minutes left over for Hartenstein. That almost makes him uh, rosterable in in um, in fantasy because last year I think he was averaging less than 20 minutes a game, and he was basically a top 150 player in that limited time just because he's so valuable in rebounds, blocks, field goal percentage. He's actually not a bad steals guy for a big man as well. He can get some assists um, for that position as well. So he, he's a great permanent producer. And if anything does happen to Mitchell Robinson, now I'm not, a, I'm not always a big believer in handcuffing, but if it's like your last pick or something like that, I think that it's, you, you could do a lot worse than if you're, if you're the person that drafts Mitchell Robinson to grab Hartenstein as well um, in case something like that goes down, and especially in like a roto format. I think that that is definitely a smart thing to do. So someone who I am keeping an eye on because I see a lot of potential in him. Uh, I'd actually personally think he's better than Mitchell Robinson and he could even win the job throughout the season. But the contracts maybe suggest that that he's the backup there. Um, another guy I want to talk about, Gary Payton II. Interesting guy. He's obviously a steals man. He's a great field goal percentage guy for a guard. He's signed with the Blazers. I'm highlighting him here because I'm getting Alex Caruso vibes from uh, a Gary Payton. Uh, just a guy that can come in and give you those those streamable stats that on a specific team build might be useful. Um, you know, he's he's probably going to be seeing an uptick in minutes, you know, behind Simons and Lillard. There's not a whole lot of depth on this team. So I can see him increasing his minutes total um, and maybe it might be enough to, to be valuable. Not a whole lot of upside, but but someone that I could see being useful next season. Yeah, I totally agree that they're quite weak now in terms of those three guards that you mentioned. You got Dame, you got Simons, and, and now you have Gary Payton. Outside of that, their guard lineup is, is not great, um, to put it bluntly. So, yeah. so I, I think he's going to get a lot of minutes. He only put up seventeen minutes a game last season and put up 1.4 steals. Like, he comes in, he's a bit of an energy bunny. He, he can get pretty good field goal, too. 62% field goal. He's, he's a bit of a highlight yep. guy. He plays bigger than he is, so you can yep. even play him at the three when they want to close games like that and have a three-guard lineup. I totally see that working, so he can play off ball. And as I said, he plays bigger than he is. He can guard guys um, that 
play the three. Um, so, yeah. so I'm pretty high on Gary Payton next next season, especially if you need some steals late in the draft. Um, there's there's nothing wrong with um, picking him up. I think. And he's a he's a he's a advanced metrics um, darling as well. I think I think a lot of the advanced metrics, LeBron, Raptor, and all those sort of things. Um, uh, rate him quite highly, more so than, than you would maybe typically think of a player um, like, yep. like... Just like Caruso as yeah. well, by the way. Yeah, so that's that's what gives me those kind of vibes. I see, obviously, last year, Caruso wasn't really on anyone's radar, but very quickly established, established himself as someone that could definitely be useful if you need those stats. Um, let's talk about another interesting guard here, John Wall, who signed... Well, well, was waived and then signed with the Clippers. What do you think? It's been a little while since we've um, talked about John Wall as a relevant fantasy player, but where do we see him fitting into this Clippers team lineup? And, and do you think he's going to be fantasy relevant? Um, I think he, the jury's still out a bit because there's him and I guess Reggie Jackson, who, who will probably battle it out for a starting position. Yeah. Uh, it is worth noting John Wall uh, has pretty much started 98% of every game he's played in his career. I don't know how stubborn he will be, yeah. Uh, but I think he's a great fit for this team. I, I think he's a guy that could definitely get assists, hundred percent could get assists. He, he showed that he had his explosiveness back. They only didn't really play him with the Rockets because they just want to go with the young guys and yeah. and obviously punt to get a high draft pick. Yeah. So it was in both their interests really for him to sit. Uh, he's, he's found himself. I think this is the best place for him to be too. With two wings um, that can even guard the, uh, I guess the best guard on the other team on a defensive end, so he can potentially get more steals as well and use that athleticism. So assistant steals, if he does get minutes, which at this point he could be a backup, but if he's a starter, uh, I think he's worth a bit of a waiver potentially as a last round pick or something. I could definitely see him as a last round pick, especially just because assists are so valuable and hard to find late in drafts. Um, He's someone that can fill that up pretty even limited minutes. Um, He's, 31 turning 32 by the start of next season. So he's 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 getting up there in age, but you know, he he doesn't have any current injuries or anything like that at the moment. Um I think the Clippers are a hard team outside of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. There's going to be a lot of eh on this team just because just because they're so deep, man. Like they are, they are too deep at every single position except maybe center. Um and just they've got so many guys that can come in and contribute. I'm just worried that a lot of those minutes are going to be mid twenties, and everyone's just going to be like a like a, a top 150. They'll they'll have like they'll have two players in the top 100, and then I think they'll have like seven or eight guys in top 150. They'll just have so many of those guys between 100 and 150 because there's just so many mouths to feed. In in, in my opinion, so yeah, you still got Norm Powell. As well, yep. uh, Reggie Jackson, like I mentioned, Luke Kennard is a guy in the regular season who, who can have some pretty good games. Terrence Mann, uh, yeah, they're, they're very, Marcus very, very Morris, deep. Um, Emir Coffey, yeah. they paid as Coffey, well. Nicholas Batum, Covington. they re-signed. Yeah, there's so, it goes many, on. there's so many guys on this team. Like, it's just, yeah, like usage is going to be hard to come by. Minutes are going to be hard to come by up and down the roster. So that's my only concern. Um, if there was an injury to someone like a Reggie Jackson, which you definitely could see happening, I definitely do see him getting a, gain, a boost in value. Um, so I definitely, it'd be interesting to see and watch him in the preseason and see where he's at. Last couple of guys that I want to highlight today. Um, these guys are probably guys that I'm not very high on, but I can see getting a bit of buzz in the preseason. Actually, I'll, oh, no, I'll just, I'll stick with these two guys. Lonnie Walker, who was signed by the Lakers. Um, just the fact that he's signed by the Lakers, I think is going to generate a bit of buzz. Um, and Malik Monk, who's signed by the Kings, who was a previous Laker. I personally don't see a whole lot of upside with either of these guys. In fact, I probably wouldn't bother drafting either of these guys in standard leagues, but I just can definitely see the scenario where these guys have a little bit of hype going into the fantasy drafts. What are your thoughts on on these two players' signings? I'm not too high on Lonnie Walker. I'll start there. I don't see him putting up output that's going to be beyond what he did with San San Antonio because they really did trial him. They they gave him a lot of opportunity to flourish. He still is young. Look, he's he's only twenty three years old. So yeah. so maybe he can develop into something. But I still think, from what I've seen, uh, I don't think this year's the year for him. He's not a guy that is um, really anything on on defense either. Um, you're hoping, I guess, if you are a Lakers fan, that he can switch in on that end because he is such a athletic freak. Um, but with the Spurs, he really just was a bit of a heat plug, and he had some pretty pretty shocking games. And he had some other games. He went he went for thirty. I'd kind of expect a, a similar output uh, for the Lakers while putting up some poor defense. So I, I'm not too high on him. Um, his field goal 
that he finished last season was only 40%. Um, yeah, that's rough. And, and that's at the Spurs. So that's pretty gross. You, you could argue, yeah, look, with LeBron, he'll get better looks. He'll get, um, LeBron obviously does pass out to the three point line, blah, blah, blah. But I'm, I'm not very high yeah. on, on Lonnie personally. I, I think um, at best he's a three point streamer, really. I think that's, yeah, that's really what he's going to be. And, and, when when a player like that doesn't get rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, and you, you're relying on points and threes, and you're on a team with LeBron James, Westbrook, and Davis, you're not going to get a whole lot of usage. You're not going to whole lot of points. So, I think you, you're a three point stream at best, in my opinion. So, uh, pouring a bit of cold water on the Lonnie Walker hype that I'm anticipating seeing a little bit of in um, the off season, and Malik Monk. I just think the Kings are weirdly deep at that position. They've just got a few guys, like you said, Huerta's coming over, Davion Mitchell's there. Just a few guys that are just in and around that kind of mix. Um, and I just see him as sort of a guy that, uh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm not too hyped on. Similar kind of builds that Walt, Kenny, uh, Lonnie Walker is, points, threes, without much a whole lot else. Um, and I think he's going to be down the pecking order on a team like that. Yeah. Uh, I do like him um, for the Kings. I think it's a great that's, signing that's by the Kings. Good work, guys. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good but, but signing. But outside of that, I mean, look, 14 points a game. Um, I see maybe that'll hover around the same, uh, but I, I see him as being more of a six-man role. Yeah. And, and that's pretty much what I think he, his career will be. He'll have some good games. He'll want to stream points, have a fly. He could have a 30-point game. He's done it before. But in terms of consistency, um, he's not someone really I would be looking to draft next season. Yeah, I agree. That will do it for us today, guys. Um, make sure if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribed over on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up on the video if you are listening over there. And make sure if you are listening on iTunes, give us a five-star rating. We're coming in hot. Season three of the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball uh, Podcast. And we will catch you guys next time. Laters.